Hey everybody, Shane Presley of Rock Paper Podcast. Thank you so much for checking out another brand new episode. Today's feature is my buddy Kevin of Obviously Offbeat. Kevin returns to the show to talk about his new project, his uh, Infinite Will album that he put out, and uh, you can find now available wherever you get your digital music at. Uh, but we're going to dive into a couple uh, songs, give you a little sneak peek today, and tell you the, some of the stories behind the record. So, we had a lot of fun recording this. Hope you enjoy it. Do want to remind you, as always, Rock Paper Podcast is brought to you by Roughneck Beard Company and American Rambler. Located here in St. Louis, Missouri, over in the Maplewood area, off Manchester. Stop by and pick up some of your favorite all-natural beard oils, beard balms, your junk powder, beard batter, whatever you need. You can find it all there. Or you can shop 24-7 at roughneckbeardcompany.com and use my code RPP15 for an exclusive 15% off your purchase. You know, during the hot summer months, it may be tempting to shave, but did you know that having a beard can keep you cooler in the summer heat? Beards provide protection from UV rays and keep sweat off your face so you can keep cooler longer in the hottest heat. Just make sure to keep your beard clean with Roughneck's house-made beard bar. All natural soap with milled oats and African black soap. Cleanses amazingly without stripping away your natural oils. And if you do decide to shave it off, do it with American Rambler's amazing pre-shave oils and Miracle Tonic Aftershave. Either way, they've got you covered. Also very excited to announce a brand new show sponsor for you guys. Check out KBP Studios, my buddy Keith Brake. Keith has been uh, working hard around St. Louis area for many years doing live concert photography and recently opened his own studio, KBP Studios. You can find more information at keithbrakephotography.com and see some of the wonderful shots. of. of he's had many of my friends in the studio recently, including... Steve Ewing of The Urge, Learn of KC, and ATG from Discrepancies. So check all those out. Right now he's currently offering 10% off all sessions during this promo period if you mention Rock Paper Podcast. So if you're in need of some photos, check out Keith Brake Photography today at keithbrakephotography.com. Also find him on socials at, on Facebook and Instagram. So if you haven't heard the news, or I got a big old show happening August 21st at the Focal Point, reviving my singer-songwriter storytelling showcase, bringing along Andy Sitto, Nick Gusman, Karen Choi, and Anthony J. Russo. It'd be four writers in a intimate listening room setting at the Focal Point in Maplewood. Uh, Seven o'clock start. Eleven dollar tickets in advance. Sixteen at the door. And uh, it's going to be an incredible evening. I would love to see you all there. Find more information and tickets at thefocalpoint.org or rockpaperpodcast.com. With all that out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy this brand new episode with Obviously Offbeat. Um, podcast is kind of like a, it's like a radio show that's not on the radio. It's on, it's on the internet. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
That's also like my mom. Uh, it makes it sound more confusing, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like this. This is Kevin Kaler from Obviously Offbeat, and you're listening to Rock Paper Podcast. Rock Paper Podcast. This is beat paper, paper covers rock. Rock beats is a shame, covers nonstop, never know what. New kind of guests that he's got coming at you. Live and direct on the spot could be rock, folk, country, or hip-hop, jazz. All kind of folks that he has could be an artist or a comedian to make you laugh on the Double-decker fudge round, rolling round town Shane coming at you live and direct from ground zero He's your hero, he's your bestie Rock Paper Podcast with Shane Presley Rock Paper Podcast Hey everybody, Shane Presley here, Rock Paper Podcast, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. Hanging out today with returning guest, Kevin Kaler of Obviously Offbeat. Welcome back to the show, man. Thank you, Shane. It's great to see you. Great and to see you. Uh, after all this time, you know, and um, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's been way too long, man. I think like it was like 16 or something was uh, the last time we uh, maybe did one of these or somewhere in there. Talking uh, about the uh, Missouri Prairie Festival. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, we, we've done a Nelphonics episode together also, and uh, Absolutely. Which, which you're also a member of. So, uh, But uh, this is uh, what's fun about this is uh, you have a brand new solo project, obviously offbeat. We have a brand new album that you just uh, had a big release party for and uh, all this stuff. So, uh, yes, which, it's been wonderful. Yeah, and you said it's like six years since your last record or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. The first record came out in 2015, and that was kind of a compilation almost of all the recorded ideas and just uh, experiments, really, uh, from like 2010 to 2015. Like, Because I had a bunch of ideas for songs and fragments and um, also kind of showcasing my engineering abilities. But, but, uh, but that first album is really more of, it's called sound sketches for a reason. Cause it's like, it's not really a, not all the songs are like a finished product. And, uh, but on this album, my second album, um, very proud to say that like the engineering skills are like way more honed in, uh, it's got a cohesive sound across the whole thing. Cause it was all recorded, um, you know, cohesively all at my home studio, Lucy sound lab. And uh, I played all the instruments as well. And, you know, just really did it in a, in a systematic way that allowed it to be, um, to have that cohesive sound, which you know, all great music and great albums are known for having that cohesive sound. So. Right. Yeah, man. Well, uh, and the record is titled infinite will. Yes. And, indeed. uh, do we have it? Uh, we have physicals available, right? Yeah, uh, I, I pressed it on CD, um, and I'm a huge a- advocate for compact discs. And right. I mean, you know, that technology is so good. And there's still, you know, they tried a bunch of other digital improvements, which none of which caught on. Um, so we still have the CD, and it still does everything we need it to. Because um, yeah. you know, if you go any higher quality than that, our, our you know our ears don't even perceive those kinds of differences, but, um, you know, and you know, I'm a CD era person oh, yeah. grew up in the nineties and, you know, so my CD collection is pretty darn good and I wasn't ready to go ahead and like give it up. And sure. so I, I keep the CDs around and, 
you know, I make music for a CD. Like when I, when I got the CDs in and put, put it in my player, I was like, yeah, this sounds like a CD. Like it sounds like a CD should, you know, and, um, MP3 and, and streaming will, will never do that. Well, I don't want to say never because actually Apple music and I think Amazon now are doing uh, lossless yeah. audio streaming. So, um, a little side tangent here to like any engineering folks listening is that you, you you never want to settle for like the way that people are listening to it now in your recordings. Like you don't want to be like, Oh, well people are just going to stream this anyway. So no need for me to (laughs) mic it correctly. Like you should always be recording in the highest fidelity possible so that when there is that new technology that can accept, um, that, that higher bit rate or whatever, then you'll have the master recordings ready and mm-hmm. it'll sound incredible for whoever gets to play that in the future, you know? Um, so yeah, that's one thing I'm passionate about among many other things is audio quality and yeah. not settling for the status quo of like MP3s. And we could go into the, some of the physiological elements of sound, but maybe this isn't quite the time <laughs> and I'm not, quite knowledgeable quite yet to do to do all that so i bet uh, but you you have a point though i've been trying to be uh aware of that myself even doing this on my show my on my own uh, i've been trying to be aware of where i am recording and uh, and everything trying to put out the best quality product because if it doesn't sound good people aren't going to listen so it's like that's yeah. as simple as that and you know people are going to quickly tune out if it's not the right quality and uh so I, I feel like for the podcast world and it's something i'm relatively new to knowing more about but it's got to be a really niche like conversation for you to to listen if the quality is going right. to be bad like you got to really want to know about what they're talking about yeah. to like go through the a low quality recording and some, so. of, some of it was fun at first when we first got going we yeah I mean, we again we we didn't really know anything about what we were doing we were just having fun with Punk buddies rock. yeah and uh we yeah but uh so we did like i mean i remember one we recorded in a mall food court uh oh my gosh and uh was it, we, i hear it now it yeah. just sounds terrible right but <laughs> but well so and i bring up that story only because like yeah it was not the best uh recording atmosphere by any means but um, we, we brought along our friend Bobby Jaycox met us there and, and Bobby's a comedian. And so, uh, having that live, uh, element to it allowed him to shine because he was able to improv and, hmm. and made, uh, some really funny moments on there that come to life. Like there was, uh, there's this part where there was like, uh, we were sitting there and, uh, I guess this cleaning crew came in and started moving chairs around. So it sounds like, uh, these just like loud screeching sounds. And, and if, this is when, uh, you know, this is what, six years ago when Jurassic world was coming out. So yeah. they said we were on a set of Jurassic you know, world <laughs> and like, and it sounds like dinosaurs, you know? So oh, like it was, Raptors uh, just yeah, screaming. All right. So it was just, uh, <laughs> so anyway, it was like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm like crying, laughing so hard. I'm like, this is going to be the worst sounding thing ever, but <laughs> It all ultimately sounded pretty decent for what it was. But, oh, absolutely! But so some of that stuff, it can be fun. But you know, uh, when you can record at a much higher quality, uh, please do so because it goes so much farther. So yeah, yeah. It, exactly. But at the same time, though, I love that DIY aspect, right. and, and there's magic in that. And mm-hmm. that's it's a fine line to be able to 
you know, put yourself forward as a, you know, someone who has high standards for quality, but, but also be able to know when that certain artist doesn't require all that. Maybe right. it's time to just set up that four track again oh, yeah. and get a really grimy sound. And I'm really into that. And, you know, live performance, I think is the, the thing that ties it all back together is that it's not just making sure your mics are set right, but it's making sure the songs are played right. You know, a lot of bands take away the live element um, and multi-track stuff is is separating everything uh, when that band maybe should have just, you know, recorded all live in the room. And even if there's like bleed through the mics and the mix can't be perfect, like the feel was there. So that's like, to me, that's, that beats everything. Yeah. Um, And I know that I'm just sounding like I'm contradicting myself left and right, because if you listen to the album or know about the album, um, well, if you don't, I'm just going to tell you right now, (laughs) it's uh, something that I played all the instruments on. So there is not that live band dynamic, which um, is so awesome in a lot of the best recordings of all time. Um, But I feel like, I was able to recreate something live because I did play the songs all the way through. So there's that performance aspect where it's, it's a full take. It's not just me looping something and just layering and layering. Like I, I tried to keep um, the instrumentation pretty bare actually Mm -hmm. Um, compared to my last, the sound sketches album was like, who knows what colors are going to look good on the wall. Like I'm just going to put them all up and just see, uh, afterwards <laughs> but but this time i kept it to just uh guitars bass drums and vibraphone um plus of course the vocals but um yeah the vibraphone was the only other splash of color that i felt was necessary um you know i'm always wanting to experiment with keyboards and stuff like that but the vibraphone ended up doing everything i needed it to and uh, it's actually quite amazing how that all worked out. And it almost it's almost like it was meant to be on this album because there's a lot of stuff in the past um, that has come out, m- music that's in- incorporated elements of, um, you know, mallet instruments. Like, there's some Queens of the Stone Age songs, which, you know, we'll talk about them a little bit more um, here in a second. But they have, like vibraphones and certain bell-like instruments mixed in the background of even some of their heaviest sections. Um, there's a song or the album that Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age produced for Iggy Pop, uh, which actually fe- features a lot of marimba and vibraphone on it. And I, I, I've always been that kind of fan and even love stuff like Bell and Sebastian, which is very has this very soft... Um, sound to it, but it has all these different instruments, and a lot of them are these nice bell-like timbres. Um, so I've always been a big fan of bells, and it just it just fit in. Like actually, one of my favorite songs on the on the album is "Well, If You Don't Need Me," and I almost threw that song out hmm. um, until I started experimenting with vibraphone. So as soon as I came up with that vibraphone on that. Uh, song it the whole song came together and i took it out of the that's the i took the song out of the trash can and put it back on the album because like whoa i almost lost out on this amazing song um 
but it's because uh, my buddy Jackson Hamill from uh, the group Mother Meat, he owns a lot of instruments, like dozens and dozens, like over probably over a hundred instruments if you include all the percussion instruments that he has. Um, so I was able to go over to his place and just overdub whatever vibraphone. You know, the vibraphone is an expensive instrument, so it's not something that everyone just has access to. I'm really lucky to have had that access and had that extra, you know, color on my wheel to splash in. And, and yeah. that's the thing that really made it sound cohesive and tied the whole album together, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, man. Well, let's talk about that track. This, uh, if I feel like, uh, and you said you are working on a, a new music video for this one. Also. Yes, indeed. But uh, this, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I guess it could be uh, a lot of different things, but I kind of interpret it maybe... Uh, kind of more of a the breakup breakup song almost or something or just you know cutting uh somebody out like not necessarily could be it didn't necessarily even have to be a relationship a uh, uh, romantic relationship but just uh somebody that's negative in your life that uh you know if you if you if that, yes. that some a relationship that went sour there and stuff that yeah it's it's that it's it's also the um focus on valuing valuing yourself right too like at first being like, oh, I, I need you so bad, but then being like, you know what? Actually, I don't I don't need you. Right. I got everything I need right now. And and you know, really, if you don't you know, it's it's like that famous quote about love. It's like you can't love uh somebody who doesn't love you back or something. You know, it's like if it doesn't go both ways, then it's not really love. Right. Or whatever. So the same thing here is like if you don't need me, then Look, I'm I'm over you. I, I don't need you. Yeah. I thought our love was true. I tried to make it better, but it did no use. I could never get through to you. Dark nights I slumber through. Another holiday season without you. Like you don't need me And I don't know what to do Don't need you 
I love that song. I think it's my favorite. I think it's the best song on the album because it just came together in such a different way than all the other ones. Sure. And it really takes you on a journey in a, in a short amount of time. That's one thing I noticed for sure, too, is like the, the uh, you know, kind of the way it builds uh, towards the end. It gets a lot heavier and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I think uh, before we started recording, you kind of mentioned some of that. 90s grunge uh influences and i feel like that kind of comes through as you kind of start uh even like you know kind of uh your vocals even uh getting yeah. louder and uh, kind of screaming the yeah and stuff and so it was uh it was fun to kind of hear kind of and that's what and that's also what kind of makes me think uh I mean, again, it's an empowerment song but also like a kind of a break like the just the kind of the, of a little bit of that uh frustration coming out and stuff and yeah and that kind of feeling too so yeah yeah it was cool man i really liked this track a lot too thank you it was it was a good one i mean just to also have some uh you know help from a buddy of mine alex stewart he was helping uh for me to record vocals and he told me when he heard this one particular lyric uh, that he that he loved it. I mean, it really helped me know that the song was worth moving forward with. Like the, I think the lyric that he resonated with was, uh, "I thought I'd lost my mind, but I had only lost you." Mm-hmm. Because in a, in all kinds of relationships, people have a tendency to fuck with e- each other's minds. Yeah, and uh, so it's like no like that's just a game they were playing whatever the mind thing that you're not sure about it's like you didn't lose your mind like you you were a person before you met that person and you know you just lost that person and obviously that person wasn't good for you and you just have to find a new way to be healthy and happy and that's what that's why you know the song changes keys it starts in the key of G and then uh, that's where it's kind of sad and uncertain but then when it when it goes to the a goes up to a um then it's then it's all kind of breezy and like ah oh, life is good again you know because that's over i'm i'm, I'm over it you know yeah. yeah man well you uh like I said maybe a uh, new music video on the way we're hopefully uh early august releasing that and yes indeed um it's it's uh in the same vein as the save my love video because you know i'm just wanting to to show folks, not just tell folks um, that I played all the instruments on the album. I want to show people, right. like, this is how I actually did this. Um, so it's in that same vein, but we take it a step further. Um, of course, the new song uh, having more background vocals, so I include more of that aspect. And um, all the different characters have different backing vocals, yeah. like, popping in. And, um, and you got somebody helping you with that, or...? Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, Odd Soul Sight and Sound, aka uh, Mr. Matt Close. Yeah. So he's uh, he's a, he's been around the scene quite some time. I actually went to college with him. Um, we both uh, were in the jazz program. Okay. Um, and then I ran into him at Foam in 2011 or 12 when I started going to open mics at Foam, and. Uh, yeah, you know, he's kind of um, just moved into a more multimedia kind of production world, which uh, is great. I mean, I think he's doing awesome with yeah. his photos and, yeah, I agree. and videos recently. So uh, it was the perfect time. Like, I just, you know, I knew that I had to invest in the pr- in the in the promotion of this album. Like, uh, sound sketches did not have any videos. Um, 
you know, there's a couple of songs that I still think would be good enough, but I just never, I mean, well, I probably just didn't straight up have the money for it. And that's kind of like where this whole music thing, um, can just stop. If there's no money, there's nothing you can do. Um, so I, and it wasn't my main focus either. The, you know, Illphonics has been my main focus over the years. Right. Uh, so this was just, you know, the first album was like, oh, I just had to get this off my chest. I've been working on it a long time. Let's just get it out. That's all I really cared about, like setting a, a foundation for my career and, and to, you know, be clear, like these were recorded between a five year period and don't judge me off of each song singularly, like try to take it as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know, I kind of got off on a tangent there (laughs) was this Uh, was a lot of as going into infinite will was a lot of this though you were saying like did you find that you were able to create this record more uh like during during the pandemic and stuff having more time to where where illphonics wasn't as busy uh and you were able to focus on a more of a solo project or right yeah i mean really it's looking at the pandemic as having silver linings plural you know because what you cannot just think of the bad aspects of a situation like if you only do that you're not going to get anywhere with anything so you have to at least think and aspire for the greater possibilities and uh with the large amount of time that i had that you know previously was not available uh i thought the greatest way to you know move forward and kind of like in, invest in my future was to, to record a new album. Um, and again, to focus on the recording quality and make sure it's a good statement of what I can do uh, for other artists as well. I'm happy to collaborate. Like I'm um, just have a lot of hope for the future and really excited about working with artists that I've, always like wanted to work with and Mm -hmm. um really the pandemic gave me a chance to say like what's what's really important in your life you know everybody had this moment probably um but what do you actually want to spend time on and given the limitations of what you could do with your time it was absolutely finalizing these you know, I had like 10 to 12 songs to start with. And then I, you know, chopped a few away. Um, I'd say the song Noel is the kind of like song that triggered the entire album idea because that song is so simple. Like when I finally finished that, I, I always overthink things. I'll, I'll just start with that. <laughs> so with songwriting, I'm, I'm just like, oh, well, this note is like, half step off from what it should be like i'm thinking about really maybe not so important things and and sometimes it's about the simplicity of the melody that is all that matters so uh, and that's something that my bandmates in illphonics will definitely like call me out on and over the years i've learned you know it's what resonates with people is not they're not going to care if you played that major seven in the chord or not um it's about like having a, a you know a strong melody or a rhythm that connects with folks. So Noel was uh, again that song like has a catchy melody. It's it's about a woman. The title of the song is the name of a woman, and I'm just singing her praises and and just uh, in a real breezy. There's like three chords in that song, and 
I was like, oh, well, this song is easy enough. I could probably play drums to this. So I had always played drums, um, you know, back when I started bands, you know, just like in the, in the basement or whatever, after practice, after we finished uh, whatever band I was in. Of course, you know, I had experience just having fun on the drums, but I never got serious about it until, uh, until the pandemic, which is, again, you know, I took time aside to focus on the drums and piano and getting the parts right uh, and ultimately putting it all together for an album. start with a something like that like I, I like to be especially like the fact that to play multiple instrument and you know like to do all this stuff record recording it producing it uh you know yeah. engineering the record rec- all this different thing like uh it just uh blows my mind to think about because like i can't uh, hardly do any of that like i can't i don't, I don't play any any instrument and you're playing you know four or five on you know <laughs> on stuff and these different things so it's uh and singing on it so it's like it's really impressive, man. So it's thank you. I mean, it's just been it's something I've always strived for ever since I got passionate about music because you know I always talk about Trent Reznor as a big inspiration for what I do, mm-hmm. and 
knowing that he was classically trained on piano, but he was on stage just, you know, <laughs> absolutely abusing guitars. Right. Um, so you can tell guitar wasn't his first instrument. But um, but the same idea of like how Nine Inch Nails started as like, it's just one guy in a studio and he's programming all the drum machines and synthesizers and recording, engineering all of it himself. And that was he that just was a great story for me to be like you know he he started that from pure work ethic yeah of uh being an intern in a studio in Cleveland i think it was and after the sessions that were you know the the paid sessions in the studio with a a different producer or engineer he would be there all night in the studio learning the stuff and just figuring it all out and um, you know, the difference with, uh, me and, and him is just that, that I was lucky enough or, you know, fortunate enough to have, uh, education in audio. So, um, it kind of probably filled in all the gaps of like theoretical knowledge or whatever that maybe Trent Reznor had to fill in, you know, way later in his career. He knew how to do, how to, do, how to use the studio for what he needed, but I'm sure there were things that like, you know the first his first album he didn't understand fully and same thing with myself you know um mm-hmm. but having the theoretical knowledge allowed me to i guess build on that foundation a little more and just have a stronger sense of it all and yeah just being into it um i was listening to a stern show the other day and he had uh um dave grohl called in and they were talking and i think uh i don't know if i forget what track it was they were playing but coming out of the commercial break uh i think fred played a nine inch nails tune nice and they uh so it's so dave and howard all of them could hear it you know it's playing on the music playing and stuff and then as they came back in and uh howard said something he goes uh about that song about you know whatever song it was now and uh so since he had Dave on the phone, he goes, Dave, he's like, do you know if that, was that a, he goes, I just love those drums on that. He's like, is that program drums or is that re- live? He goes, no, that's all program stuff, you know, like, mm. and, uh, and he goes, yeah, but it sound, he's like, it sounds good though. And anyway, so him and, uh, so Dave goes, I, you know, I got a funny story for you about, uh, about Trent Reznor. And he goes, uh, he said they, it was like, uh, 92 i think or something that nah, he was with nirvana and like yeah. they were on uh on a break or something at the time they had a couple of weeks off and like they uh and he said they used to like uh he was like just crashing at friends houses and jumping they would like uh in california and they would just like go from like pool to pool kind of thing in the summer and like kind of, yeah so one of these days he winds up at this house with this pool and and some, and it, uh, he said it was these this mansion like where there was like the, uh, um, these murders, uh, the uh, the tape uh, man, the Manson man, yeah, the Manson exactly. family and stuff. Uh, what I forget the the woman's name, but Sharon Tate. Yeah, Sharon. Tate. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, and uh, so they're and then so they they're just like hanging out. They're swimming at the pool, and then he ends up bumping into uh, Trent Reznor is there recording the record. Yeah. And like, and talk, so he was talking about like, uh, and how, of course, all that was like 
kind of captured on that record like all the these you know uh, you know weird kind of ominous tones and different things you know like a lot of strange things happened uh and i was just like man i can't imagine like that would be a really kind of a a weird thing but i mean that's the type of music trent was making he kind of he had a I imagine yeah. he probably had to kind of put himself in that headspace to where he was able to record something like that. And I almost feel like it's a part of his whole marketing plan. Yeah. You know, it's like that's all the magazines are going to write about this yeah, and then sure. it's going to create this, you know, image of me in, in this kind of way that he wanted to craft, yeah. I think. Um, and, and part of it is that, yeah, he probably had some connection or like some curiosity as to what, uh, what that what recording in the house might bring yeah you know but i don't know if he's you know that much in the, on the the mystical aspect more just so like on paper this yeah. sounds really badass i agree i mean i think i think <laughs> i think it's a complete thing though i, I, do, yeah. I do think like yeah it's, it's one i mean we're still talking about it today it's a yeah cool, it's still a cool story but at the same sense like i do tragic feel, story <laughs> yeah well yeah sure but i do feel like no i mean there is something that happens uh you know just a a natural energy of any uh room or recording studio and stuff like you know even uh, locally we have some great studios and it's just like Mm -hmm. when you when you walk into some place and you just feel naturally like relaxed it's a comfortable you know space and you you know you can you can create something but you know for him like having something like that where it's like kind of scares the shit out of you like you're probably gonna make some you know spooky kind of music and stuff too. definitely yeah that's a spooky album, the downward yeah. spiral. Oh, yeah, man. So, but uh, anyway, I just thought it was a, f- a fun story to hear, hear Dave talking about that, and also just kind of a crazy to imagine uh, those two guys in the same room in the early '90s, and mm. just, you know, and like still. Uh, I, I love all the connections between all those groups. Like yeah. it's because when you know Dave Grohl plays drums on an Inch Nails record or a Queens of the Stone Age record, it's like, oh well, these guys they're like tight with each other it's not it's not that hard to see like where um almost like a rock and roll lineage like i feel like those that group is the last of like the real rock stars you know like and they're they're aging on us and and just that idea of what a rock star is in america or in the world or whatever is not even really truly possible in that same sense anymore just because all the record companies are not taking chances on mm-hmm. folks and there's so many reasons, but uh, yeah, I mean, there was a certain era that of rock that I, up to a certain point just didn't continue. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Queens, of the stone age and like white stripes are like a couple of the last bands that you can say like tr- really rock. And I know that's like a somewhat controversial <laughs> opinion because there's some exceptions certainly. Um, but uh, again, I'm like, I like to play these funny games where it's like, uh, they really are meant to just spark conversation. Sure. And uh, so, you yep. know, one of those is about like who, you know, who's real rock and roll. And, and that's, I'm kind of thinking in that same like rock star sense. Cause like, you know, a band like many mansions, like they're a great rock band, but they don't have this like colossal, like, vibe about them and 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 also there's something to be said for that whole like aspect of marketing and corporate like structure around creating rock stars because ultimately i don't even think that was really uh good for music 
really. Because like at this point, you either got to be huge or just it doesn't, you know. I don't know. There's a lot about the music business that don't make much sense. So I'm just going to stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, kind of uh, coming from the, the, you know, the 90s, the cassette or uh, sorry, uh, CD era. And uh, and we do have Infinite Will on physical CD uh, format, which uh, features some great uh, photography, some great pictures of uh, some of your travels. Right. Uh, Yes, indeed. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's what I think is great about that format too is the Absolutely. fact that you do you know the same with vinyl is just in a much larger format but Definitely. having having the physical art is always uh, something i always really enjoyed about music yeah. as well so i'm i'm really pleased that i ultimately went with you know creating the cds because like during quarantine if you made a record you know you're not even going to have a chance to really get it to folks um unless you already have this like massive fan base that wants to pre-order like so it's like well maybe it doesn't make sense to get cds but yeah that physical aspect and the ability to showcase another another aspect of the art not just the sonic aspect but to say you know maybe this imagery is going to help put you in the right mindset for certain songs maybe Mm -hmm. um but to me having photographs of the mayan uh ancient site of Ushmal, uh, having that as the photographic uh, centerpiece is symbolic of the title Infinite Will. And, you know, these pyramids have been around for over a thousand years, some of them. So uh, stone, you know, know, infinity, like just trying to keep the concept of your will (laughs) really has to be strong to get through the tough times that we've experienced. So it's like, I believe in myself to have that strong stone like will. Um, and so if I can believe in my ability to stay strong, then hopefully everyone else will get the message that you have the strength within yourself to get out of whatever hard situation you might be in. Yeah, man. Do you, uh, do you sell, Quite a few at the the release party. Yeah, it was yeah. it was cool to get some off my hands right off the bat. Yeah, and, you know, it's cool to have a tier structure with the ticketing. So it's like you have like here's just the general admission ticket. Here's the ticket with the CD. And uh, well, you did more like a private party for this uh, for yeah. this release, right? Yeah, because um, I'd been wanting to do um, kind of a show in the style of So Far Sounds, mm-hmm. like. I got some really good ideas from running the sound for their shows for like two, three years. Yeah, those are. Those, I mean, I haven't actually been able to attend one, but I've seen some videos and like very cool what they do, what they're doing and stuff. It's all about creating that intimate experience, yeah. and you know, they always talk about how the company was created because these these guys are you know the founders of the company were at a show where. It was at a bar, it was loud, and everyone was just yelling yeah. over the music. So uh, what happens is that the key connection that we uh, attempt as musicians sometimes doesn't have a... It, it straight from the, from the start has no chance to connect with someone because they can't hear you. Right. So, uh, and I've seen at these so far events where it's, you know, it's kind of, they kind of have this secret vibe. You have to sign up for it. You don't know where the location is going to be or who's playing. Um, and 
the amount of direct fan to singer relationships or like happenings that have occurred is so many that it's like this format works. Like, I, I don't care who's doing the show. This is the kind of show that we need more of because everyone benefits from that greater attention to the music. And yeah, I wanted that to be a big part of it. Cause I had this venue in mind. We did it at the, uh, untitled fine art gallery on Cherokee street, which I've always been a huge fan of since they've been open. And, uh, there's a really cool patio area and, you know, with COVID still being a thing, uh, it was the right move for me to keep it outside. And, and, uh, so everyone felt comfortable being there. Um, so yeah, ended up just being like a limited capacity show that, that really, I just sent invites to my own, uh, personal like friends and social media um followers and um yeah it ended up being a great time um yeah it was the debut of a trio slash quartet of the obviously offbeat name so because you know for the album it was just me but uh once i got a date set i started calling some people uh trying to figure out who who might be in the band and Luckily enough, the the two people that I reached out to first on on drums and bass ended up sticking with me for like just only like four rehearsals in a month in June to get re- uh, prepared for uh, the release show. Uh, but Steve Larson uh, is on drums and he was super excited to get involved. He's played with uh, Traveling Sound Machine and Vandalion or a couple groups that, uh, you know, more missouri bass that he's in uh and he just having him around and pushing the songs forward pushing the whole dynamic of a band forward and being excited and that's been really fun to, to play with him and then uh justin decenzo is on bass and he's someone that i it's just had i've had like weird connections over the years like i think i initially saw him play when I was, it was about 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago, he was doing a jazz gig with a former guitar teacher of mine, Brian Vaccaro. And so Justin um, was this guy with this crazy hair, like getting all up on, you know, past the, uh, the, what do they call it? Thumb position on the upright bass where he just all the way up on the, on the neck and like just manhandling (laughs) the bass and doing a great solo and, um, and then didn't see him for a long time. And then he slid through the dark room where I was working at the time. And, uh, he was back in town from LA. He was doing a lot of work out there in the, uh, film and TV show world and, and writing music for, uh, you know, jingles, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, he actually did the sound uh, for Arrested Development, All right. which is a really cool side note. Um, and so I just got, you know, I had met up with him um, during quarantine uh, for, for some other reason. But we, got, we started to talk about music and started to get to know each other a little bit more. And so when his name was suggested uh, by Ben Wheeler... As, as like someone who might be interested, I was like, yeah, he was like pretty much right there in my consciousness anyway. And thankfully, Justin was free to do the show. 
And uh, after having done this one big show together, um, we're going to, you know, talk more about where this is going because I've, it was never a part of my full-on life plan to have a band right now. Like, I knew that at some point I wanted to have a second band to really, so I could turn up my amp into solo loud sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, be the, the lead vocalist and showcase some of my tunes that straight up don't fit the Ilphonics sound and, you know, some of which were uh, even offered for to change into an Ilphonics song, but, uh, you know, it just never worked out. So um, I just knew they were good enough to, to keep working on. So um, I'm really excited to see what Steve and Justin are going to help bring to the project as we move forward because because now it'll have more of that live band element that I was saying that I loved so much. Uh, that's why I think the next page of this project is going to be the most fun page of the whole thing. Yeah, um, yeah man. Like, Steve and I have this big Radiohead connection. Like, because, I mean, I mean, who... I don't know. I mean, I know certain people don't like Radiohead, but really a lot of people do like it's kind of hard to find someone who plays music in a in a band especially like a rock or yeah alternative band that doesn't like them so but but we're, we're both pretty deep into loving radiohead so we even did a cover of a subterranean homesick alien during that show and we'll probably keep doing that because it went really well yeah nice man yeah well uh so keep an eye out we do so we we don't have it's not on the is it on digital release yet, or is we just... Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. Oh, it's everywhere now. Infinite all right. Will yeah, on all the sites. Get it. Get it. Bandcamp, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's where... Bandcamp is the site for the artists. Uh, right. If you really want to have that direct artist connection, and you, you want to make sure to, to support them, as opposed to going through, like, a subscription. Like, su- yeah. we only get, like, a couple pennies sure. for... A bunch of streams through that so just uh, you know get into downloading you can actually get lossless downloads on Bandcamp too so yeah i thought that was really great uh the, all the first fridays they were doing and stuff you know cut, absolutely cutting sharing profits uh so where they uh all the ar- money went right to the artist and stuff like that so that was you know they're definitely about the artist and supporting uh, it's such a great so. uh versatile and, and and easy to use site yeah you just send a link you click and, and it streams like really smoothly yep um i feel like and it sounds really good it's uh it's kind of like soundcloud except that soundcloud i don't feel like sounds very good yeah it's always very compressed and people are probably uploading their terrible mp3s <laughs> and stuff yep. whereas again it's the yeah, Bandcamp has always offered that wave uh lossless quality yeah. option yeah when you can, uh, you can find obviously offbeat also for your Facebook and Instagram, uh, so you can uh, get plugged in for you know maybe some more of those shows popping up uh, hopefully and uh, yes, and things like we that. Sh- so. We shall be playing um, again. We're just about to take a step into a new yeah. horizon. So well, I want to talk about a song we haven't mentioned yet, but this was the uh, the lead single that you released out there was a song called save my love uh which uh you again you have a music video for uh that was uh, we first first one we released out there for this and uh man this is uh 
such a great song. Like it was a lot oh, of thanks, a lot of fun, man. man. Thank you. I, and, and and as you were saying, uh, Justin's work in movies and TV music yeah. uh, jingles, and I don't know for some reason the thought that came when I'm listening to this, like uh, the, the thought that came to my mind was like uh, a, a TV show uh, intro, you know, like uh, that that hook, uh, the Save My Love part, like mm-hmm. it just kind of had like a real good feel to it. It's catchy. Uh, you can quickly sing along with it. And uh, it just kind of reminded me like the intro to some kind of, a, you know, um, sitcom kind of thing or something, you know, kind of like that. Like a, Totally. I I've, don't know. I've gotten similar um, feedback, you know, even on some songs on the first album, like <laughs> some of the more alternative sounding stuff could be in like teen movies yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and But then there's another track that could be on like this like mystery in the desert kind of movie, you know, like so... Um, I just feel like good music, if it really does emote in a way that people feel what you're trying to say, I feel like those kinds of songs are always good for movies uh, because there is a clear feeling and and movies need that song that kind of give you that clear feeling of whatever the mood is supposed to be. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think now that I've, you know, turned the page on putting out my second album uh as i create a third album um i'm also <laughs> shout out to uh the fine city of st louis fire yeah. department fire department definitely yeah they're doing great work yep <laughs> um
wasn't pointless without you But even though you're gone It feels like you never left me I hope this won't last long And love could be never ending You turned my life around With a love that was so profound if there's one thing that I know I can do to save my love for you So come back to me Please come back to me Don't you know I'm gonna save all my love All my love Don't you know I'm gonna save all I wanted to create a song that really leaned into the catchiness, like mm -hmm. because you know if you know some of my influences, they're they can be pretty obscure, and I don't always lean in a pop direction. But this so this album, you know, there are quite a few catchy songs, uh, and I just wanted to get all those out on this one and have no apology for what it is. I know that I'm capable of a lot more moving forward. It, influences that I've never fully incorporated that I plan to. Um, yeah. For example, jazz and Latin and electronic. Like These are all genres I'm heavily interested in, but I've uh, never put anything out with those elements under the obviously offbeat name. Uh, but again, this is kind of like a, a punctuation mark. Like, here's everything up to this point. Here's all the best, like, catchiest songs that I've had. Um, all on one disc, and then while I figure out what my next move is, I think I'm going to be creating a lot of music ready for film and TV and stuff and, and not have it be specifically an obviously offbeat song. Though there will be some crossover, you know, between those two worlds where one, it's like, oh, well, I'm working on this meditative, uh, you know, this thing with strings and piano for a movie. Uh, but actually there's this vocal melody that's kind of calling out to be a, a actual song so i might maybe do two versions of the same music and since i you know wrote it i can own all the copyrights of both versions and yeah i just i've, I've always been really interested in the different avenues that songwriters can take to to make to you know work smarter and not harder and stuff and like why not just if you're in the studio, record a slightly altered version of the exact same song. Right. Or like just, you know, change the uh, lead vocal melody only and then record that version that could be, you know, the version that's in the teen show as opposed to the one that you want on your album. And they can be two different sets of lyrics. And you right. know, I just think that there's a lot more 
uh, newer ways of doing things that folks in St. Louis haven't really explored yet. Um, I think St. Louis needs a better um, sense of like knowing about what they need to do as an artist in like the administrative sense too. That's something I would like to, you know, any artists that I work with, you know, on the recording side, I'm also happy to give all kinds of tips about stuff that I've learned in the past. And, you know, cause not only did I record and play it all, like I did all the admin work for this album release and mm-hmm. getting the CDs pressed and just, um, it's a lot of work, but it, it means that I guess I have a lot of different perspective on different aspects of the music creation process and, even album cycles and touring and, you know, Ilphonics is going to, you know, both Ilphonics and obviously Offbeat, you know, are planning to have some uh, shows in Europe next year. So we're right. like kind of right now planting some seeds to make all that happen. And, you know, all, all hoping that, uh, you know, we can actually get this virus under control and right. that we can actually do that because, you know, music, musicians in St. Louis, especially as more and more venues open up in Chesterfield, start to have less and less of a uh, connection with actual St. Louisans, I feel like. And it's just, there's a lot that needs to change to, to make that happen. But really, St. Louisans, St. Louis musicians do need to tour and they do need to get out to other cities and like it's expensive to get to Europe, but you know, I've missed Europe ever since the day I left and, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, kill two birds with one stone, visit again and also play and set up more shows and then visit again. And then yeah, man, still use St. Louis as a home base, you know, but, um, we got to reach out more and not just, be so internalized about what we are doing like or you know even individually like we're all a lot of artists can be way too up in their heads you know so it's just we got to get out more and you know that's been tough but there's ways to do it via internet too so yeah yeah i mean that'd be incredible to get out there and uh and see the world uh and having your music take you there too so like that would uh be super cool it's basically the the one life goal that like yep. is on the list that needs to be checked off yeah. and uh yeah so yeah. we'll do that um as as early as next year maybe if things like went great on all counts like i could see something happening towards the end of this this year possibly but uh but we'll we'll just see <laughs> right yeah man well, Kevin, this has been uh, really great, man. I'm um, really glad we were able to link up and uh, catch up about this new record. Again, you can find it uh, wherever you're getting your music. Uh, please check out the Bandcamp. That way, it's, uh, you know, if you want to download it, you can do so there. And, uh, and and another thing about Bandcamp is you can get merch really easily off of that. And so, that again, you're supporting directly. That money comes straight to us. So right. you can get a physical copy of Infinite Will from Bandcamp as well. So I'll ship it right to you. Nice, man. Yeah. And uh, But uh, keep an eye out. New music video for uh, If You Don't Need Me, uh, August 7th, we're saying. Yeah. So. Well, If You Don't Need Me, dot, yeah. dot, dot. <laughs> right. Check it out. Uh, thereabouts around August 7th, and you'll find out... Uh, 
what the next part of that phrase is. Yeah. Although we kind of already <laughs> gave it away. Right. But yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I don't think we, I didn't quite mention it uh, in Save My Love, but I really uh, did in, appreciate you, uh, all your different outfits, your four uh, different uh, players in the, in the band. Thank and you. <laughs> uh, it was fun to see you uh, getting to getting to have fun kind of being a being a character and yeah. and uh of being four of them and yeah. uh you know it's like so it was, that was again it was just a you know trying to think of an idea that was smarter and not harder and you know these kind of like brady bunch style videos were getting put out <laughs> during right. quarantine and a lot of people did variations on it and yeah. this was my variation on it um so i was really pleased that i mean it's been a terrible tragedy but it was just another kind of silver lining to just like there's this new format of connecting or this new format of video production that seemed to fit perfectly um with what i was doing on the album and again we're we're in missouri we're the show me state i had to show folks how how it looks you know with when i play all the instruments and right so yeah it was really fun and you know over the years i've been able to have all kinds of different stage presences and you know you have everything from the crazy glam guy to the stone-faced cowboy <laughs> you know yeah and everything in between it's sure i you know everything that i do i hope just completely repels the idea of division and of different genres like so i'm kind of just poking fun at the fact that you know, there's glam rock, there's punk rock, there's country, there's all these different forms of music, but all of those things are what turned me into who I am. And we're at the point in, in, in culture and evolu- evolution that like, we all listen to different styles of music. Right. Why, why are we still putting everything in a box? I mean, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't, I don't even really, I, so I do put like, stuff when i post the show i typically put like a genre just to because that's what a lot of people are are, yeah. are known to be searching for looking for certain things sure and, sure well, but, i guess just for searching and yeah. like because everybody is going to find a new thing that they like maybe every six months or every but, year so like same thing with me in my yeah. musical journey it's like well i'm really into um yeah you know, just pick a style yeah if, you know yeah Yes, and King Crimson, and then like, and then I'm listening to like John Fahey, and then I'm listening to like uh, Lupe Fiasco, like, <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, yeah, I like it all, man, and that, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, and that's, I don't, I don't, we don't need to box everything in, just uh, yeah, and I really appreciate you doing this with so many different artists of different styles. That's yeah. everyone needs that voice, and for certain gatekeepers around. You know, it's it's really been frustrating over the years, like to see, just for example, how Ilphonics uh, just didn't get a fair look. Maybe just because we had a rapper, it's like, oh, can't have rap. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I get. I, I would probably say that's probably a lot of it too. Like, not necessarily that there's a rap, but you you guys don't fit in a particular. Right. You're not, you know, yeah, you have elements of hip hop and you have elements of rock and you have, you know, so it's like it's hard to really say what is Ilphonics. It's just good music and it doesn't necessarily like, you know, maybe putting you guys with a hip hop show yeah. would be difficult because you're not necessarily all 100% hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So it's 
Yeah, it's it's just straight up yeah. been, been tough. Right. Everything from labels down to just the booking of a single night of entertainment. It's yeah. never easy. Sure. And yeah. But yeah, I... Uh, but that's for uh, that's maybe for the the next yeah. uh, show with Illphonics. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get that one worked out here soon. But uh, but I appreciate Sounds you doing good. this, man. This has been uh, like I said, a lot of fun getting hanging out here at your uh, your your home studio and uh, getting to see where been they, good to have you getting to see where all the magic happens, uh, where all this uh, record came to life and everything. But oh uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, man, this has uh, been super cool. So thank you, Kevin, and uh, I will uh, see you soon, my friend. Cool. Thank you, Shane. Peace. Right. Bye, everybody. Rock paper, podcast. Rock paper podcast. Rock paper podcast. Rock paper podcast. Rock paper podcast. Well, yeah, that was it.